hope you're all doing fine. Uh, and I looked at my calendar. I look very closely this season to see how many of the programs that uh, I'm associated with are church programs and how many non-church programs. I take great joy in uh, going uh, for non-Christian programs for the past couple of years. And I'm sure this must be the same with each one of you. I just wanted to urge you to say that this should be a season of sharing God's love. And uh, this is probably the only season left where we can do some kind of outreach uh, uh, quite directly. Uh, but even that is um, that is uh, also going away, maybe slipping away from our hands. I've had uh, uh, a week back one program getting cancelled, and the the phone call that came was quite uh, scary because of the details that they knew when they cancelled uh, the program. When the phone call, when the threatening call came. The details that they knew was quite frightening. So I am uh, don't want to create any scare here, but this is really a time where we should focus outward. The few church programs that uh, I had on my uh, schedule sometimes are very disturbing because they're so inward focused, uh, giving gifts within and then huge meals and dinners and all within that uh, it really causes us to, why, what are we doing sometimes? Why is all our budget so inward focused? In the Christmas story, if you notice carefully, it seems like, apart from Joseph and Mary, I'll come to them later, seems like everyone else was really outward focused. The message had to go out. God's love had to be shared. And uh, yesterday in our church, we were, uh, um, meditating on the shepherds and like in many different churches we take different sets of people uh, every week and we meditate on them. The shepherds were really amazing evangelists. They're really role model evangelists. Every uh, you take the wise men, you take uh, different people, you take the elderly people who are waiting in the temple for the birth of the Messiah. Everyone was so outward focused, the message had to go. I, uh, it seems like um, when it says that Mary treasured all these things in her heart, that she was one of those persons who did not uh, share anything. She was very, this, but then Mary's song in Luke chapter 1 verses 46 to 55, Mary's song was... Uh, wonderful in its outward focus and uh, also so wonderful in its wisdom. And I just wanted to very quickly, because we have little time, it's Monday morning after all, uh, go through the exact words of that song, not, uh, not uh, go into too deep a commentary, but just underline a few, few words of that song and maybe add a line of my own. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. This was uh, 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 a spontaneous outburst when she met Elizabeth. And uh, this is where the song comes and goes down in history as the Magnificat. What is there in Luke chapter 146 to 45. 
It also is a mirror image of uh, the song of her ancestor, um, Hannah, in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. There are a lot of uh, parallels in both these songs. Song, I believe, is a wonderful way of outreach. There are at least 50 occasions in the scriptures where God's people sang and conveyed a message through their song. And at least in 400 places where uh, we are told to sing and to praise the Lord. In many places, we are told to sing a new song. So here is Mary's song, which I'm going to read to you. And as I said, I'll just underline a few verses here and there. So it starts with this. My soul magnifies the Lord. Whatever you focus on, and these are my words, whatever you focus on becomes bigger and bigger in your life. You focus on yourself, you become very big. You focus on your problems, it becomes bigger. But Mary, in her infinite wisdom, says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Wisdom that was given, even though it appears like a spontaneous outburst, it's actually steeped in timeless wisdom. She says that the Lord should be our focus. And the more and more we focus on God himself and how wonderful he is and how beautiful he is, and our soul magnifies the Lord. The Lord himself becomes bigger and bigger in your life. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. It's a time we have to herald a time of great rejoicing. Put aside everything that distracts you or disturbs you and rejoice like Paul urges his uh, people in Philippians 4.4. Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. You know what Mary is saying? You know what this teenager is saying? And she was a teenager. I can tell you this by a few calculations because in the cultural mores demanded that as soon as they attain puberty, they would be betrothed. So she was a teenager. And you know what this teen teenager is saying? All generations from now on, behold, will call me blessed. He has done great things for me. Holy is his name and his mercy on, is on those who fear him from generation to generation. She's saying to all of us who are stri striving so hard to make a mark for ourselves, she's saying the only way that you and I can have a shot at posterity is through our partnerships, partnership with Jesus. The only way we can, in a sense, live forever is through our partnership with Jesus. To whom is she saying this? She's saying this to all those people who are making those futile attempts at immortality getting the best medical wisdom to live very long, storing and cloning your DNA. There are people who do that, you know, they're spending vast amounts on doing that. Amassing so much wealth and possession, somehow thinking that this is going to be with you forever, but not being able to really enjoy them as you're going into the winter of your life. 
building statues, monuments, naming localities, towns, streets, buildings. Yes, your name might live a little beyond you, but ultimately, as it says in Psalm 103, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And it's even its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. So if the Lord's love is with you, you are there too. And his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Let's move on. The last two sets of underlines. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those of humble estate, and he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. What is this teenager girl saying? That there is justice in this world, and that justice comes uh, only from above. That's where we have to look for, for justice. Very painfully, I've seen, even among my close friend circle, that when someone stands for good Christian values, they're meted out, not justice, but injustice. And Mary is saying there is social justice, there is economic justice. The proud will be scattered in the imagination of their heart. There will be political justice, bringing down the mighty from their thrones. And with great prophetic certainty that the economic justice also comes from above. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. There is justice and it comes from above. Lastly, Mary says he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring, Forever, he spoke to our fathers. This teenage girl is talking about right from the time of Abraham. She's saying the prophecy has been fulfilled. I was, uh, I stay in uh, Hyderabad, Telangana, the northeast corner of our state, tucked away in the bordering Chhattisgarh. There's some beautiful forest areas. And right at the edge of this forest areas, there's a uh, public sector organization, and I was part of an official Christian program invited by the officers. So most of it was organized by non-Christians, about 1,000 people there in the crowd. And there, the nativity scene also was done by kids of uh, a few Christians, and it, it was mirroring how it is uh, in our country. So about 2% would be Christians and 98% would be non-Christian. I think the girl who played Mary was also a non-Christian. And I noticed as I was sitting right there at the front seat that uh, she was very, very nervous. And people make you nervous, especially when you're doing the nativity scene. And she must have been thinking, what should I say? When should I say? Am I going in the right uh, way? Am I standing at the right place? Am I sitting at the right place? Am I uh, emoting the right uh, expression? And she was very, very nervous. But I also noticed that she handled her nervousness with great uh, grace and dignity. And suddenly, I went into a kind of trance. 
And I thought this eighth standard girl who was playing the role of Mary was probably very much like Mary herself. A young girl. I mean, the angel Gabriel came with her. I'm just came to her. I'm just wondering what kind of anxiety and nervousness she must be having. But then she also handled it with great grace. And look at the wisdom that emanates from her. She's saying in that last paragraph, you know, that she prophesied about the Messiah, the Messiah who was already there in her womb, who will bring salvation, not just for her or her family or her society, her community, but to the whole world. This Messiah will bring the cup of salvation. And for a Christian, Mary is saying there is hope, there is eternal hope, unlimited and unending, not just for a Christian, but for anyone who in this season, who's willing to listen to the sincere and authentic sharing of God's love to anyone who listens to that, there is hope, eternal hope, unlimited and unending. And that is a message of what Mary is singing about. And that is a message what you and I should be really busy with sharing in this season. It's a season, my dear brothers and sisters, you can call me Anna, of sharing God's love. May God bless us and give us the strength to work tirelessly in this season. The last slivers of opportunity available to us to share God's love all around us in innovative ways, in ways that glorify him. May God bless each one of us. Thank you very much. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful morning. You've given us another Monday. And we're so grateful to you, O oh God. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, purpose in all our hearts, O oh Lord, that we should go beyond the zone of comfort to share God's love in this season. Do it in an authentic manner. Do it, O oh Lord, in a way that you have poured your love into our hearts. We just sit and meditate. We know, O oh Lord, that in a thousand different ways, even right now, you're expressing your love to us in an innovative manner. And Lord, let us do the same. I just pray that we might experience your presence in a very special way now and today and throughout this season and propagate that presence, O oh Lord. And I pray that you would bless and equip each one of us, O oh Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would take care of all our needs because when we seek you, O oh God, you have promised that you would take care of all our needs and we commit ourselves to that. And we ask all this, believing that we will receive because we ask in the mighty name of the child of Mary, the Messiah, the one who scatters the proud in the imagination of their hearts, the mighty one who does things with his mighty arm. We ask in that name, we ask in the name of Jesus. In your precious name we ask. Amen.